You're listening to Turf Show Radio. With the first pick in the 2016 NFL Draft, the Los Angeles Rams select Jared Goff, quarterback, California. John Austin, and a nickel back to the Here's it up. Oh, he drops it in the bucket. Kenny Britt is gone. Touchdown. Give it to Gurley. Gurley extending to the goal line. Touchdown. Todd Gurley. That puts him at 1,000 yards on the button in his rookie season. And now, here's your host. Hello, everybody, and welcome to an all-new Turf Show Times Radio. As we promised, today we are going to be having some draft talk, and we'll get to that in just a second. But once again, let me introduce my co-host, filling in for Joe for the next two weeks now, Mr. Uh, Myson, a dinosaur, a dinosaur. How you doing, man? <laughs> What's going on? I'm doing good. How are you doing today? Man, I'm doing great. And uh, normally we'd play a little bit around, but since we're 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 doing this late, that the, the show's going to go up later than normal. Uh, we we had to push it back. There was an incident involving Myson's family that we wanted to make, give him some time and space to 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 handle. So we had to do the show later. Uh, so that means it'll go up later, and we do apologize for that. But by the time you're hearing it, you're probably not going to any of this. You're not going to care because the show will be up. Uh, but rather than dilly-dally, I do want to introduce our guest. He needs little introduction. Uh, writes for BR's uh, 1000. Uh, writes for us, uh, I believe, what, but Optimum Scouting, too. I, am, oh. I don't I, I your your list reads like Elton John's, like in terms of like <laughs> OBE, CBE, Knight of Cap Alpha Order. Uh, but uh, Mr. Derek Kloss and Derek, man, it's a pleasure to have you on here uh, and and to get to talk again, man. Because last time we saw each other was at Rams practice. Hey, yeah, man, it was great to see you down there. Great to be here tonight. Uh, I think it's my first time on Turf Show Times Radio, so. I'm excited to get into tonight's topics. Yeah, and so, uh, Myson, I'm going to go ahead and let you kind of kick things off with the draft talk. And and we'll snake it like we always do, two, and then I'll go two. And, uh, yeah, let's just go from there. So what you got for Derek? Let's get this thing cool. rolling. Well, as everyone knows, I love my scouting. <laughs> you know, I love, the, I love the watch tape. I always have. And uh, I, I'm – I'm currently working on my top 100 uh, board, which will probably be ready here in the next couple of days. And uh, as I'm going through and I'm just kind of looking at positions and looking at players and the top players, and I'm thinking of where the Rams are, you know, uh, where they're, they're going to be drafting, drafting at the top of the second round. I keep asking, what is the number one need for the Rams? You know, and I keep, it feels like every week it changes because it's almost like every week a position gets worse, <laughs> you know, to the point that they got to find, someone else to bring in 
because it's just not cutting it, you know. So I look at it, I say, oh, well, you know, they could use a receiver, they could use a corner, they could use a tackle, they could use a guard, they could use all these different players. What do you what do you think the Rams' number one need is as we go into this draft season? Um, I think there's a few different ways that you could go. You know, like you were saying, it seems like it just kind of depending on how the uh, week's game went, you kind of changed your opinion on what was the number one need. I think the big ones for sure are wide receiver, offensive line, and cornerback. I think those are definitely the three top ones. The way that this class is is, uh, shaping up so far, it doesn't look like the offensive line class is going to be all that great. So um, with the Rams' first pick in that second round, that probably isn't the direction that they should go. Um, If they're trying to fix their offensive line this year, they should try to do it more with Hopefully they can hit on a late round pick, but, you know, probably try to um, grab some free agents, you know, mid-level free agents. Um, with wide receiver and cornerbacks, the wide receiver class looks pretty good. We compare every wide receiver class to 2014, you know, with uh, Odo Beckham, Mike Evans, um, Jarvis Landry even. And, and that's just unfair. Um, this wide receiver class is, is looking pretty good, even if it's, you know, not of that legendary caliber as 2014. Uh, and then the cornerback classes is also looking to shape up uh, pretty well. There's, I'm, you know, probably going to be myself personally. I haven't dug too deep into the cornerback class, but I know there's a lot of people I trust and a lot of people I see, um, you know, uh, saying that there's maybe five or six, you know, first round type of corners. And obviously five or six aren't going to get taken. So somebody's going to get pushed down, hopefully into where the Rams pick. And um, that would, I think, be the ideal pick uh, for when the Rams get their first selection. We have no idea if Dory's going to come out either, too, because that changes everything if he comes out. That does. Yeah. Although, although, however, and uh, Josh, I know you're going to hate me for saying this. I don't think that he's a first round corner. I think that he's just a good return man. He's Devin oh, Hester. Dude. <laughs> you know, you know, he, he's, he's USC shut down corner, man. You don't throw on a Dory. You can throw on Iman Marshall. You don't throw on a Dory, yeah. man. Jake Jake Browning got picked off by him twice. So I I mean, (laughs) we all have we all have bad games. We all. (laughs) Hey, you know what? I'm. I'm glad that you mentioned that. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. (laughs) No, I I was just gonna say I'm glad you mentioned the receivers though because I love some of the receivers in this class and me personally and I'm uh, gonna be touching on this in the coming weeks, the coming months, really a lot. But uh, me personally, the guy that I keep looking at as the number one receiver in this class, I actually believe has a legitimate chance of falling into the second round because of where he played. And that's Corey Davis from Western Michigan. I just think the kid's a freak of nature. <laughs> you know, he reminds me a lot of a cross between Julio and um, and Terrell Owens. That's exactly who I see every time I see him, just the physical nature of him, the way he's built. He looks like Terrell Owens, but his athletics that reminds me of Julio. Um, if there was a receiver to fall into the second round that would be available for the Rams, uh, who would you want it to be? Um, Corey Davis would be a good one because I think he's very talented and uh, is likely. Well, I don't know about likely, but I mean, I think he's a first round talent. I've heard some stuff that NFL teams don't quite think that he's as good as, you know, uh, or, or Twitter thinks that he is. And, um, I mean, in the case of the Rams, that would be perfect because if he's the guy that falls, you know, of this, um, you know, I think there's, you know, four or five really talented receivers because you've also got, like, John Ross and Day-Day Westbrook and, and a couple of other guys. So if Davis is the one to fall because maybe teams don't like him, you know, in the first round quite as much as, you know, we do and Twitter does, 
that would be perfect for the Rams because, like you were saying, yeah, he's an he's just an incredible athlete. Uh, he's really, really fast. Uh, he's explosive. He can get vertical. Uh, I think he has a little bit of drop issues, but my thing is, and this is something I've uh, partly learned from Matt Harmon, uh, who's now at the NFL Network, is um, you can excuse drops from really talented receivers. Like A.J. Green, I think, drops more passes than we think that he does. But he makes so many other great plays that we kind of just forget about, you know, the fact that he is dropping passes. And I, I'm not necessarily saying that Davis is going to be A.J. Green, but I think there's, you know, that element to him that Davis can bring so much to the table that you kind of forget about some of his drops sometimes. You know, it's it's funny you mentioned we're, we're talking about guys that could fall. And, and, and I've been saying this for a couple years now. Like, I kind of started this thing back. Uh, maybe somewhere around 2009-ish, where it's just like the curse of the number one receiver for USC. Like, really, you could say it goes back to Mike Williams. But, see, the problem with the curse of the number one receiver is that a receiver at USC will either have a phenomenal freshman, redshirt freshman, or sophomore year. And then once the other guy... Because you remember, but Juju Smith-Schuster was everybody's darling. But that was, you know, when he had other guys opposite him that were taking some of the attention off of him. Although Juju's kind of, he's kind of weird in that he's been the guy as a freshman because Cody Kessler wouldn't throw the damn ball to anybody else. So he's kind of, he's kind of weird. But, and I've heard this a lot that, a lot of people grade him out as a second-round talent. Now, the only reason that I – well, I'm not saying the only reason, but a big reason I think that people are low on a guy like Juju Smith-Schuster is that even though he's quietly – Marquise Lee is quietly having a good year this year, the talents that have come out of SC in the past at the wide receiver position seem not to live up to the potential that they showed in college. What are you hearing on Juju? Because if that's a guy that could fall to the Rams, man, I mean, I'm not saying that he's going to be a bad NFL receiver. I just think that USC receivers should be second round receivers at this point until somebody steps up. <laughs> I, <laughs> I mean, that's a good point. Like, it, it does seem weird that somehow none of them live up to, um, you know, whatever their relative uh, expectations are. Um, I like what. Juju Smith brings to the table, um, you know, assuming he doesn't get overhyped and, you know, assuming he doesn't rise to, you know, top 10 status or something. I, I don't think that's going to happen. Um, but, you know, if he gets looked at like a, you know, second round type receiver, like you're saying, I think that would be good for him. You know, he's big, physical. Um, I hope that nobody uh, brings up like a Dwayne Jarrett comp uh, from a big physical USC guy. I hope that doesn't happen to him because um, I think Juju Smith is good and that would be kind of unfair. Um, I, I think in a lot of ways he does what Davis does it's just he's not quite as um, athletic and as fast as Davis is um, but I think you see a lot of the same uh, the way that they run routes their body types are uh, sort of similar um, they can both get vertical and go for the ball so I think what you're getting out of Juju is sort of like a 85% type of version of Davis um, or 90% type of Davis um, which is still a, a pretty good receiver it's just you know like you said even if the Rams had a first round pick I don't think that's the guy you would take there but in the second round I think it could make sense no, especially, I... 
Oh, I'm sorry. Let me let me grab in one more here. I, I you know, yeah, go ahead. I, I I look at that and I, I agree with you. The thing that's to me has me scared off of Juju have been the amount of injuries he's had at FC. He's never had a fully healthy season, and while it's not kept him out a lot, that's not something. That's not a badge of honor you want to wear going into the NFL draft, if you will, that you're an oft-injured guy. Do I think that in any way, shape, or form diminishes his talent? No. But there, what the beauty about what the Rams are going to have to do is that it's going to have to work out like mid-major recruiting. The Rams are going to have to really find their diamonds in the rough. So let me ask you, for two or three diamonds in the rough in this NFL draft, that could fall to a round that would allow the Rams to grab them. Because they don't have many picks, and unless they trade Aaron Donald, which I've said all along is the only way the Rams are moving back up into the first round. At this point, I don't even think you could get a first-round pick for Jared Goff. Like, the only trade-worthy commodity they have is Aaron Donald, and I, I would not shock me to see administration moving for picks. What? What? <laughs> Talk to me about those hidden gems so that Rams fans don't have to worry about Aaron Donald going anywhere. Um, Like, specifically for defensive tackles or, or just anybody? In, in general, I'm sorry. Yeah, I could see how you could draw it specifically <laughs> for there. Yeah, no, just in general. Uh, I, the whole Aaron Donald thing was was really just to say that I don't see how the Rams get back into the first round unless they trade Aaron Donald. He's just the only only serviceable player they have that would get them significant compensation on on the trade market. Yeah. Okay. I got you. Um. Let's see. Um. Okay. Uh. This might sound a little biased because I am a Florida Gators fan, um, but Quincy Wilson, who is the cornerback opposite of Tease to Tabor, uh, Tabor's been the one that's getting a lot of, uh, you know, first round hype and deservedly so. He's yeah, an incredible cornerback, too. Guy, Quincy Wilson, he is. Wait, what? South Florida guy, Quincy Wilson. Oh, yeah. And uh, I mean, he's been, you know, like I said, Tabor is getting all the hype, but uh, Quincy Wilson has been a shutdown corner at Florida. And granted, he's, um, you know, largely playing against the number two. Uh, um, but even then, he's, you know, executing his assignment to a level that is just incredible. Like, I know at one point he had like a 0.6 passer rating against him like halfway through the this college season. And I'm sure he didn't end the season with that. Um, but to even just go any stretch of games with that sort of passer rating against, he was just unbelievable and unthinkable, even as a number two cornerback. Uh, I like how well he plays the ball. Um, I think he's a little bit more fluid sometimes than we see from Tabor. I think uh, Tabor can get a little stiff in his hips and just kind of um, get lost. Uh, I mean, I think Tabor is a better, you know, more explosive athlete and does a better recovering. But Wilson's a very smart corner and knows how to get in and out of his breaks and, and fight for the ball. And I think he's a guy, you know, if he chooses to, chooses to declare... Um, he's not a guy that the Rams have to take with their first pick, but I think he's someone that they could get eventually. Um, another one is Ryan Switzer from North Carolina. He's a short slot receiver. He's like on a good day. He's probably five, nine, like 175. And, um, I mean, that sounds a little Seems bit like, like another... a solid choice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, 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 
Yeah, that that part. I mean, uh, I mean, if you're looking for a diamond in the rough, that's that's the you know the undersized guy is the guy to go to. But um, I think he does a really good job of finding spaces and zones. Uh, he's really quick, you know, in and out of his breaks. He's a pretty good route runner. I like his hands. Uh, what he does after the catch is, you know, I don't think he's a burner. He has enough speed to you know make some plays down the field and and really bust some big plays off, but. Um, some of the stuff that he can do in just tight areas and work for, you know, three, four extra yards by dodging a defender or two is really incredible and valuable, um, especially on third downs. And if you just watch the way that North Carolina's offense works, you can see uh, that Mitch Trubisky really trusts Ryan Switzer a lot. And Switzer's really the guy in that, um, you know, North Carolina offense. Um, trying to think of some other... I haven't gotten too far into overall draft stuff. I've been mostly working on quarterbacks right now because, um, I mean, it's in my handle. That's what I do. Um, so I'm trying to think of some, you know, other draft diamonds. I don't know if I have too many others off the top of my head. Those are the, the two big ones that keep coming back to That's me. That's fair. Um, That's you know fair. I, you know, we're going to get to some quarterbacks, even though the Rams don't need it, because the NFL the fans that listen to this show will probably want to consume it. And and there'll be good debate for that toward the end of this. But, uh, Myson, what you got, man? You know, real quick, I will say a really uh, two really good draft diamonds that I've really kind of been smitten with. One is David Njoku, the tight end from Miami. Yes. Uh, the dude is a freak. <laughs> you know, he is a That's freak. He's a redshirt sophomore, absolute freak. Um, while he hasn't decided yet um, if he's going to enter the draft, rumor has it that, that he's leaning towards it. So true freak. I would love to see him enter the enter the NFL. I think he's going to be a monster. Because Kaya is thinking, it, my, I, my sources in Florida are telling me that Kaya is going to turn pro too. So Yeah, I think so. It would make sense. That they are actually. Did he, did, yeah, did, I hadn't seen the announcement. Oh, did they announce it today? Yeah, I think Kaya did a few days ago, and then um, Njoku did today after the bowl game. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, that's right. Miami played their bowl game today. I completely there forgot. There you go. <laughs> and then um, the other guy is Brian Hill. Uh, running back from Wyoming. I love watching this guy's tape. I love watching this guy's tape. It's extremely impressive tape. If you haven't seen it, I would suggest to go watch it. I mean, he is a big back, 6'1", 220, that can really move. his tape against Fresno State in his freshman year. If you want to see the game to end all games, Brian Hill's game against Fresno State in his freshman year, I was there in person for that game. Never have I didn't I've watched he and Jay Ajayi live. What Jay Ajayi yeah. is doing now with the Dolphins is what Brian Hill did to the Bulldogs that day. It's it it's it's criminal. He's he's a very impressive runner. Unbelievable feet. His feet is very quick. He has one of the best jump cuts in this entire draft class. So when he's in the open field, he's not an easy guy to tackle. Um, oh, and Carlos Henderson as well, a Louisiana Tech wide receiver, another. Uh, got us under the radar, but anyway, <laughs> um, I like those under. I like those diamond in the rough guys. It's always fun scouting those guys. Uh, but it, anywho, so when we look at the Rams roster right now, I think that it is uh, fair to say that it's kind of falling apart pretty quickly. Uh, two, three years ago, there was a lot of talk about the depth that they were building in some areas, which was kind of true. You know, you looked at the defensive line; it was really stacked. You know, uh, Chris Long was still still. Uh, 
still being able to get to the quarterback. Robert Quinn was healthy, and when he's healthy, we know what he's capable of. You know, Aaron Donald was a rookie, and there was just a lot. And then you know, they, they signed some uh, key guys in free agency too. You know, where they were coming off of the bench, and they were just really wrecking havoc. And uh, you look at the, uh, the 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 secondary. You had a young Janoris, a young Trumaine. You know, they were there was a lot of pieces there, but. Over the last couple of years, you've just kind of seen guys leave for free agency, guys that's been getting hurt, guys getting older, getting cut. And now I look at it and I say, OK, the same pieces that were strengths looks like they are weaknesses now. You look at defensive end. Robert Quinn is having trouble staying healthy over the last two years. I think he's been healthy for like nine or ten games over the last two seasons. Um, William Hayes is about to be 33. <laughs> Aaron Donald and Michael Brockers on their side, but Brockers himself have been having trouble staying healthy. Uh, the linebacker core is small. <laughs> they have been able to get off blocks. Everything that was a strength has really, really kind of diminished. Um, if you could say that there's one position on the team that you know, was that kid that is viewed as a strength but could still use an upgrade. What would you say it is? Uh that's a pretty good question. I mean defensive tackle is obviously the biggest strength on the team. Um and personally I believe that you can't have too many defensive linemen. Um but I don't think that should be the, the pressing area of need. Um I mean the problem with that question is there's not that many strong areas on the Rams roster right now um, <laughs> outside of defensive tackle. Um I know Todd Gurley had a bad year. Um, part of that, it's, um, part of the blame is on him. Part of it is offensive line. Part of it is offensive structure. All of that, um, and I think that the Rams have added some decent running backs behind Todd Gurley. Um, but I think it would be nice for them to add someone who is a little bit more uh, dynamic, side to side, versatile than what the Rams have right now. I think you know what they have in like Malcolm Brown is. Um, I mean, you kind of just know what you're getting out of him. I would like to see them yeah. uh, add somebody a little bit more dynamic um, to get in the mix, you know, behind Gurley. I think that would probably be the, the you know, quote-unquote good area of the roster that I would like to see them build upon. You know, I love the fact that you say that because I feel like I'm talking about Todd Gurley's inability to move laterally <laughs> every week. I feel like almost um, – I think that is – you know, last week, you know, we were talking, Josh and I, and I said – when you look at this team, you have a quarterback who's more comfortable playing in the shotgun and you have a running back that's more comfortable playing in the eye. They just don't mix. <laughs> you know, they're, they, they don't work well together. And I think that, you know, you kind of hit it right on the head from what I, what I think. Um, I think that running back is actually one position, running back and defensive end, but running back more than defensive end. Running back is actually one position where I would seriously look in the middle rounds because, there's just there's there's a there's lacking something there. Um, Ty Gurley's a good back, but he's a power runner. If you're not running power, you're not going to get much from him. Um, I definitely agree with you. I think running back is somewhere you need to look where you get a more dynamic player. You know, in the middle round, something like an Alvin Kamara or something like that. A guy that's a little more shifty, a little more speedy, can play from that gun and do more things. Um, one other question for you, uh, just in regards to that. So when I look at the uh, offense, you know, we talked about receiver, we talked about um, tight end, we talked about all these things, but we have a new coaching staff that's going to be coming in. And with new coaching staffs, they usually want to get their guy at quarterback. What do you think? Uh, what do you think the chances are the Rams draft a quarterback? And if they do, who would be a good middle round guy to draft that the, that the new coach can kind of bring in and really groom to be his guy? 
Um, you know, the quarterback one is tough because if this was, you know, say the, um, say for whatever reason, the Bengals after Dalton's rookie year had fired their head coach and then somebody new came in. Well, then it's like, okay, he was, you know, only a second round guy. All we gave up was that second round pick for him. I think it would be easy to move on with Goff. They gave up so much to get him, um, that I think it would feel a little weird if, um, you know, a new coaching staff tried to get their guy, um, especially, you know, since they can't do it with a premium pick. And another aspect of that is it also seems like, you know, maybe it was just the last regime instead of the front office or anything, but it does seem like the Rams really like Sean Mannion. Personally, I don't think he's that great. Um, I think they could upgrade, but it does seem like um, the team likes him for whatever reason. Uh, If, for whatever reason, the Rams want to take somebody in the middle rounds. Um, Dane Evans from Tulsa is—he's um, he was a senior this year. I don't know what bowl invites he has, like senior bowl or anything. I don't know if he has any invites, um, but he's fairly athletic. You know, he's pretty mobile. I think he throws with a lot of confidence. His arm isn't great, um, but I think his control is fairly impressive. Um, he makes some great throws. He had a. Um, a receiver at Tulsa named Kevon Lucas, and he knew when to trust him and when to go for him for the big plays. Um, you know, I don't think he was a great quarterback, but I think he showed some baseline traits that uh, if for whatever reason he was pushed in in a pressure situation, I think he would be able to, you know, not allow the sink to ship, um, even though the Kirk Rams offense. Cousins it? Like, is that, is that a fair comparison? Like, Kirk Cousins can get it done and get it done at 300 yards, four touchdowns if need be, but not consistently? Yeah, kind of. I think the difference is, um, you know, now Cousins has, what, five years, four or five years under his belt and also has maybe the best skill players in the entire National Football League. And I think that helps. Um, But, yeah, I think he's a guy who wouldn't necessarily make your offense any better or anything. But I think he's a guy that even though the Rams offense is constantly sinking, I think he wouldn't make it any worse um, than, you know, it, it would be otherwise. Um. I, I don't like a lot of the senior quarterbacks who are, you know, it's usually those mid-round senior quarterbacks that are the, the ones that get some hype. Uh, you know, we saw Tom Savage a few years ago and stuff like that. Um, I've seen some people talking up like Cooper Rush from Central Michigan. I'm not big on him. I've seen people talking up Nathan Peterman from Pitt. I'm not too big on him. Um, you know, it's usually in these mid-rounds where you're taking. I was going to ask you about Deshaun Kaiser. Ooh, you- Yes. We're, since yeah, you, you've talked a lot about him on Twitter in the past couple of days, you've re- actually written some articles on this subject. Um, and, and since we're here, I'm, I'm not trying to, to dominate Mison. I, I just I just figured it was a natural segue oh, no. to, to talk about. No, no, Deshaun, no, go for it. Who feels <laughs> like he could be a first round guy or a fourth round guy, depending on if you're, you know, Woody Johnson or Bill Belichick, you know, <laughs> oh, I, I don't know. I, no, I understand. He is uh he's my number two quarterback. You have Mitch Trubisky. Where do you come down on him? Uh, Derek? I, I still really, really like Kaiser. I think he's incredible. Uh, I mean, I'll fully admit, you know, he he had a bad back half to the 2016 season and I actually just posted something about that today. Um, you can see in his footwork, you know, because I, I tweeted something last night, you know, the, the footwork is 
the window into a quarterback's mind. And you could just see in, in Kaiser's footwork that he just wasn't the same quarterback this year. But if you watch his 2015 film and even some of his earlier stuff in 2016, uh, you see an incredibly confident quarterback. He has a cannon for an arm. He knows how to control it very well. Uh, he understands what risks to take and when not to take them and stuff like that. He commands the pocket um, like I've rarely seen from a 20-year-old. You know, I, I saw it from Teddy Bridgewater at Louisville, and I saw it from Jameis Winston at Florida State, and um, that's about it from, you I know, at least. It, at Fresno, but that's, you know, mid-major level. Yeah, yeah, it, it was a little different. Um, but, yeah, I still really like Kaiser, and – I mean, I'm not a terribly, pl- I'm not too plugged in, um, you know, to NFL sources or anything. But from what I'm hearing, it, you know, a lot of people on Twitter and stuff seem to be lower, a lot lower on Kaiser after what happened this year. But I'm not sure NFL teams are. I mean, I'm sure there's some that have been worried. But uh, from what I'm hearing, I think Kaiser is still going to go pretty high. I don't think he's a guy that's going to end up slipping into the mid rounds. Um, and I think that's deservedly so. I think, you know, like Masson said, I think he's quarterback two. Um, personally, I have Watson at one, but um, I think Kaiser's a close number two, um, even despite, you know, his struggles this year. Derek. Now, oh, go ahead, Scotty. If they do that real quick, sorry, Josh, but if they do bring in another arm, do you think there's a chance that they just cut bait with Goff for maybe a mid-round pick anyway? Um... I don't know about just a mid-round pick because they did spend a lot to get him. I think if they could recoup... Or whatever they could get. Yeah, I think if they could recoup from what they spent originally a little bit better than just, you know, one mid-round pick, I think that honestly wouldn't be a bad decision uh, because personally I didn't really like Jared Goff coming out of Cal, and he's actually been worse, I think, for the Rams than I even expected him to be. Um, He's got worse numbers than Cody Kessler, who yeah. cussed himself out of the season. And <laughs> please don't get, please don't get me started on his numbers again. <laughs> <laughs> he has like, yeah, it, it's just. Um, I mean, yeah, I wasn't a fan, and even I'm surprised of of just how poor he's looked as a rookie so far. And and you know, before he had started, I was like, man, he's got to get in here. Like, there's no way that he's worse than Keenum. And after seeing, you know, five games or so, I'm convinced that right now he's worse than Case Keenum. Um, so, you know, if a new coaching staff does come in and wants to cut bait with him, um, even if they just want just one mid-round pick, I would understand wanting to completely cut ties and, you know, maybe eating those first year or two as the head coach because you just don't believe in Jared Goff. You know, there's there's nothing he's really shown in the NFL to this point that should make you believe in him. And um, I know that there were... Uh, you know, he got a lot of hype from the NFL, and obviously he went number one overall, but there were plenty of detractors to, to Jared Goff. And, you know, whoever the new head coach is, if he happened to be one of those people, um, you know, it's very likely that he tries to do what he can to cut bait with Jared Goff. Not necessarily that it's possible because, um, you know, some of the stuff we were hearing was that, you know, Jared Goff was the front office's pick and Jeff Fisher didn't want him and all those other things. So, if Goff truly was, you know, the front office's pick, I think it would be hard to cut ties. But ideally, I think that would be the way to go is to try to recoup something from him because I, I just don't believe in him as an NFL player. Now watch Belichick will do hey. that and he'll end up as a Hall of Famer. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's the way that these yeah. – what we'll do is we'll trade like Jimmy Garoppolo straight up 
and then Jimmy Garoppolo will be awful in L.A., and Jared Goff will look like Tom Brady. You know, with Jared Goff, I have one number for you, and that number is five. Five, because (laughs) when you talk about Jared Goff's uh, stats this year, five pops up a lot. He has five touchdowns. He has five yards per attempt. (laughs) You know, he has... (laughs) Yeah, five yards per attempt. This is the same position on the same team that the fans went crazy about with Sam Bradford. Oh, he only averages 6.5 yards of throw. Well, we got worse now. We have five. <laughs> you know, so, so, so uh, yeah, I think that uh, I think fans would uh, love to have 6.5 again. <laughs> hey, even Case Keenan was averaging almost seven, you know. He was doing 6.8. So. The Rams were in games with Case Keenum, and then once they started playing golf, I mean, out, outside of, you know, one or two games here or there this season, Keenum kept him in a lot of games. At you know, least I said getting it, drives here and there. Like, they're just getting I, their ass kicked now. I said it last week. The team definitely regressed with Case Keenum. He's only averaging 160 passing yards a game. I mean, it's not looking very good, and the receivers didn't change, so we can't really blame it on the receivers too much. Everyone says, oh, they're dropping passes. Well, it's the same receivers has been all year, and Case Keenum still completed 61% of his passes. So, But anyway, <laughs> um, quick question for you. If you had to look at this Rams roster, and there's quite a few free agents coming up, um, who would you say is the player that if he left the Rams roster could go somewhere and really shine, really become a better player or – not necessarily a better player, but show what he had, what he was capable of this all along. Um, honestly, I'm not 100% sure who is left on the roster, but I'm going to go ch- quick check. Um, I'm on spot track right now. Okay, let's see. Uh-huh. Um, okay. Uh, I'll give you, a, give you some names if you want. <laughs> I just found the list. So, um, you know what? I think TJ McDonald is kind of a good one. I think if TJ McDonald could get into a stable situation um, with a coach that, you know, cause he had the DUI and stuff like that. So right. I think if there's a situation where he feels comfortable and the coach can um, rein him in a little bit, I think he could really show that he's a good safety. I think he's a good safety for the Rams. Uh, I think it's just a lot of things tend to go wrong, whether it be breakdowns at the second level uh, the number two cornerback getting just absolutely dusted by some average wide receiver. Uh, I, I think there's just a lot of things around McDonald that makes it tough for him to look quite as good as he is. You know, I don't think he's a superstar or anything, um, but I think he can be, uh, you know, a quality starting safety elsewhere and, you know, anywhere. But with the Rams, I think he would get more recognition than he has right now. Uh, really quick, uh, Josh, do you, would there be anybody that you would say? That would that should stay with the team. No, if they left the team this off season and went somewhere else, you know, with all the free agents that there's there's lining up for the Rams this year, who do you think would go somewhere and make a name for themselves? <sighs> is Kenny Britt's contract expiring? Yes, yeah. it is. I kind of feel like Kenny Britt could be one of those guys that if he wound up opposite, like on a team like the Raiders. I absolutely feel like it, it would be a night and day situation. Like at that point, Derek Carr would be God. It would sort of, it would sort of <laughs> almost be like Thanos coming down, acquiring the affinity gauntlet and just 
having every stone available to him. But but I imagine maybe dude, if Kenny Britt went to the damn like like Scotty said, he can go to the uh, Patriots, and I think he'd be you know Tom Brady turn him into Randy Moss. Like yeah. I think he's proven that he has something this year, and it might just have been a case. Excuse me, is belching there? Might just have been a case of him growing into his own in the NFL. I don't know where other stops he's been, but to my mind, I don't think he's had a, a, a litany of quality quarterbacks throwing in the ball. Well, didn't he come from Tennessee? Yes. Yeah, see, <laughs> yes. He, came, came, he came from, like, guys like Jake Locker. And, yeah, I mean, what are you supposed to do with that, you know? This, this may be the first time Kenny Britts played with a semi-competent quarterback, and then they took it away from him when they benched Case Keenum. So yeah, I, I think Kendrick could go on and do something. Yeah, I I, I love the uh, the Brit one. I definitely think Brit could be be something because you look at what he's done this year uh, with a consistent quarterback play, and just honestly, Case Keenum was the best quarterback he had, and Case Keenum is not a starter for any other team in the NFL. You know, uh, well maybe the Browns, but that's about it. <laughs> you know, so yeah, I, I definitely think I definitely think I, I think when you look at the fact that he's that he was able to have success with uh, uh, if he quarterback situation and a terrible offensive play calling. I think that he's a good one. Also, I would look at Benny Cunningham. I think if Benny Cunningham left this Rams roster, he'd be a guy that would really go somewhere else and really shine. I think that he's the most natural running runner on the Rams roster. Um, it's not even close to my personal opinion. Um, uh, one quick question for you. So getting back to the draft here, um, when I look at the draft, I see that there's just kind of talent all over. You touched on this a little bit already. Uh, that the offensive line isn't necessarily a strong suit uh, for this draft, which I agree with. I think once you get past the first round, I think there's some quality guys that you can get in the middle to the back end of the first round. Uh, but after that, it starts to get a little iffy. But what would you say the best position group is in this uh, this draft? Uh, you know, I touched on it earlier. I think it's cornerback because, you know, you've got – Tease Tabor from Florida. You've got Cordrea Tankersley from Clemson, uh, Marlon Humphrey from Alabama, um, and Sidney Jones from Washington. I think he's a junior, but I mean, it's possible that he declares. Uh, if Adore yeah. Jackson declares, uh, you know, you've just got this incredible myriad of, of different talents. You know, a lot of them are very different. Like uh, Marlon Humphrey, you know, kind of feels like a keep to leave. Not necessarily that he's that good, but he feels like that sort of player. Uh, Cordrea Tankersley is a tall, lanky, aggressive press corner, you know, a very Seattle-looking corner. Uh, Tease Tabor is a—I mean, he's not small, but he's not as big as Cordrea Tankersley. Um, and he's more of your athletic, you know, bump-and-run, uh, sprint-down-the-field type of guy. Uh, so, you know, you have this different handful of talents at the cornerback position, and I think there's so many of them that it's, it's not so much, you know, you have to get the best cornerback— in this class it's that you just have to get the right one that fits your uh scheme because there's going to be one of them because there's just so many talented cornerbacks this year all right so my my final question for you here is i'm gonna try i'm gonna i'm gonna bring our poll into it which was if if you could acquire had the chance to acquire sean payton for a third round pick would you do it um and uh, Twitter does not feel like showing me the results. 
Um, so I don't actually know what the results of the poll were, uh, but it had one retweet and one like. So I'm going to say that people said yes, because uh, all the responses <laughs> here are get the band back together. Um, to hell no, maybe for a third, maybe for a fourth or a fifth. So you got the Bills looking at their situation with Tyrod Taylor, who becomes a free agent at the end of 2017. And obviously probably isn't too happy with the Bills right now. Um, the Bills are firing Rex Ryan. And now there are some people who are really high on Tyrod Taylor. And there are some people who are really low on Tyrod Taylor. Do you or could you see a possible scenario whereby the new coach that comes in could maybe orchestrate a trade with the Bills to get somebody like a Tyrod Taylor and install him out at, here in Los Angeles? Would that would that be a situation whereby you would feel comfortable? It might not be a two, but you're getting something back in return. I think that would be awesome. I, I'm one of the people that tends to be higher on Tyrod Taylor. I think he throws a really nice deep ball. Um, I think I, I think he goes through his underneath reads uh, fairly well. Um, you know, people criticize him a lot for not making middle of the field throws, but I think a lot of that is they don't really have anybody on the roster who's very good at that. I don't think Charles Clay is good at that. Um, I like Robert Woods more on the outside than I do inside. Sammy Watkins is mostly a deep threat. Like they just don't have a guy to go over the middle of the field. Um, but then it it turns into Tyrod's fault for them for the Bills not doing that. Um, I think it would be interesting to see Tyrod um, in LA and and fight Goff for the um, you know for the quarterback position. I don't necessarily know what it would take to get Tyrod Taylor. Um, and I think he's going to become a free agent, so I don't know if a trade would happen. I think that the it would be more likely that the Rams just, you know, the Bills choose not to sign him and then the Rams choose to sign him, um, which would be a tough sell because they just drafted Jared Goff. Um, but in some sort of ideal world where Tyra Taylor does end up in L.A., I think that would be really cool. And I think he would immediately deserve the starting job over Jared Goff just from what we've seen from both of them at this point. Um, you know, Jared Goff, we haven't seen any sort of really semblance of an NFL quarterback, whereas with Tyrod, while he hasn't always been perfect, I think there's been plenty of moments with Tyrod. Um, you know, he had a touchdown throw this week where you just look at him and go, you know, wow, I know this quarterback can make plays for me um, if I need them, both on the ground and through the air. And I think that's that's very valuable. Dude, yeah. What's all right? We all we all trying to go. <laughs> no, I was Sorry, gonna, John, I, go I, I, I agree. Go I'm, ahead, a, I'm a fan of Tyrod's. What were you gonna say, Scotty? Oh, I was gonna say, Derek. You you were saying, or it's been reported several times that Goff was more of a less need guy. If less need goes, do you think that? there's more of a likelihood that Jared Goff goes as well? Or, let's also put it this way, could a signing of a Tyrod Taylor more than likely mean a parting of the ways with Jared Goff? I mean, I would hope so, because, and and again, I'm going to you know put my bias out in the air, I didn't really like Jared Goff out of, Cal that much. I had a third round on him. I thought um, some guys like even Trevon Boykin were better quarterback prospects than Jared Goff was. Um, 
so I think, you know, in, in the scenario that, you know, they do sign someone like Tyrod Taylor, I think it would be smart to just get what they can out of Jared Goff and and maybe try to move on. And that sounds harsh because, you know, he's barely been here. Um, there was a lot of turnover with, you know, the coaching staff and stuff this year. And it was a hard adjustment with the team moving to L.A. and not having everything fully set up. Uh, but just to to have not liked him all that much coming out of Cal and then to to see that he's been even worse than expectations so far in L.A., granted in a bad situation, um, it, it's just very unsettling. And and if someone wanted to counter me and say that, you know, give J- Garrett Goff at least another year, I think that's fine. It's just that, you know, uh, I think this is a league where, you know, you have to really make drastic moves and gamble. And I think, I you know, I'd rather bet the house on Tyrod Taylor than Jared Goff. So before we let you get out of here, I got to ask you, man, are the Rams worse than the Niners? Even though the Niners like have two fewer wins, yes, I would say yeah. <laughs> like I would say yes at this point, <laughs> honestly, because at least the uh, the San Francisco offense is kind of fun. Like I think Kaepernick is still an all right quarterback, um, and I think some of the stuff that they do, even though they don't have talent on offense, is kind of interesting. Um, rest in peace, Carlos Hyde, though. His uh, he he got injured again. Um, and I think their defense, like, they have fun pieces. It's just that Jim O'Neill is a miserable defensive coordinator. Um, like, there's no way that they should have uh, DeForest Buckner and Eric Armstead and be that bad at run defense. Like, right. that's a coaching Seriously. problem. That's, they're, that's... they're both, yeah, like, they're both were really good run defenders at Oregon. Um, and I think Eric shown... Armstead was just, that was, that, that was, a, that was, a, that was one that hurt. You know, you know, when you keep tweeting about Jalen Ramsey, those are the two guys. And every time I look back on it, cause you know, SC guy, I'm like, oh, those are the two that hurt. Like, I don't give two dams about Matthew Thomas anymore, but Jalen Ramsey flipping his commitment at the 11th hour, that one hurt me. Bro, uh, didn't USC steal a Dory Jackson from Florida? That no, that no, no. He was never he, going to Florida. He was always well. Florida. Yeah, he was. Well, he wasn't because I think I think we were trying to force him to play wide receiver when he didn't want to because uh, Florida doesn't know how to do anything correctly and just well, get good players. At the end of the day, Dory Jackson's idol is you guessed it. You like number five. You know, so all USC had to do was start baiting him in with, with, with the Reggie Bush type Heisman stuff. And, and that was all she wrote. He, he modeled his entire playing career after that dude. And, and obviously, you know, not on the defensive end, but just being that explosive talent, which is what makes him a curious draft pick for me, because I don't actually think he is a really good special teams guy. I actually think he's kind of average. Um, for how explosive he is, I don't think he takes it back near enough uh, considering how bad college special teams are and that most teams don't even have a special teams coach because you can't, you're only allowed so many coaches and that's usually uh, one of the ones that they get rid of in favor. USC had spent, they, they just brought back special teams with John Baxter, but I think John Baxter sells a program and, and not special teams. He's all about that damn nail the hammer crap, be the hammer, not the nail. Um, my, my last question to you, I guess, moving on from that subject is speaking of Carlos Hyde, he's like the Ilke Gundawan of running backs. Like I just, 
can't stay healthy, man. R.I.P. L.K. Gundawan. If you if you know who that is, there's my soccer reference for the day. Mm. Uh, what can you glean at all from the Rams at this point this season, Derek? What what can we glean? What positives give before you leave here? Give the people something to look forward to. There's nothing to look forward to. Um, <laughs> there's going to be somebody that's not Jeff Fisher. That's the head coach. Which, like, <laughs> I mean, it, we still could, you know, hire a bat, another bad head coach. But at, at least Ryan, dude. And then yeah, like, <laughs> we might <laughs> hire Rex Ryan, but at least he's not Jeff Fisher. Oh, he's worse. <laughs> means he'll be out faster. That's probably true, man. Derek, I know that we uh, we said we wouldn't keep you that long, so. We'll definitely let you get out of here. But before we do, I want to give you a chance to pump any of your articles, especially if you want to talk about that Deshaun Kaiser article that you just wrote or anything else that you have upcoming, um, either on our side or elsewhere. Um, Yeah, just the Kaiser one is really the only thing I've been able to to write recently. My Twitter handle is at QB class, Q-B-K-L-A-S-S. And, uh, you know, you can find the link there or you can go to QBmecca.com. And it should be on the homepage. Um, I think that's about it. Well, man, I greatly appreciate your time. I know Myson appreciates your time. So uh, absolutely. Hey, you'll be hearing from me soon too. You know that once church show radio, once the season ends, like you know you're going to be on a lot, right? Oh yeah, like, I'm going to talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> a lot. I'll just say it one more time. A lot. Because we, we're going to be looking at you and Myson and bringing you guys on, man, because uh, we got to run through some college stuff. But uh, enjoy the rest of your evening and hope you have a health, happy, safe, healthy New Year, you and the lady, if you're still together. Yeah, thanks for uh, thanks for having me on, guys. And, um, you know, I'll catch you when I come on later in the season. Peace. All right, man. Later, man. Later. Okay, so. Basically, he left us with no hope. Um, <laughs> we are a defeated rebellion. We're, we are sort of like the, the, the Rebel Alliance shortly after uh, Revenge of the Sith, completely defeated, knocked into oblivion, shat- scattered amongst the star systems. Is that what's destined to happen to this Rams team, you think? Do you think this uh, thing yeah. is actually going to get blown up? Brought Aaron Donald, yeah. moved on to a contender for for picks, and uh, I don't think Aaron Donald goes anywhere. I think that that is a, uh, I think you live in a dream. <laughs> um, Aaron Donald, I, I mentioned this um, earlier, um, just kind of in a roundtable piece, but Aaron Donald, in my personal opinion, is a top five player regardless of position, and I think if you asked around, everyone would agree that he's at the very least a top 10 player, regardless of position. Um, those aren't guys you get rid of easily because you, you will, you know, how often do you come across those? You know, you don't get to see that very often in the same uniform. But Aaron while Donald, you're, while you're in control. A lot of ju- it's not, it's not a question of whether or not the Rams would get rid of him beyond a certain point. It's a question of how long, I mean, this kind of flies back to what, what uh, what's his name said today with the Patriots uh, long where he said 
you know, uh, uh, meaningful football is nice. And, and I followed up about that question. It definitely wasn't a shot at, at the Rams. You know, right, he just, right. it was, hey, man, it's nice to be playing playoff football. And if you're on the New England Patriots, I imagine it is because you're – you're probably at least going to the AFC championship, if not the Super Bowl. Like, it just seems to be that's what's going to happen until Tom the God decides it's time to retire. So if you're Aaron Donald, how long do you continue to come back for bullshit? That, that, that's my genuine curiosity here. I mean, as we can see this year, Aaron Donald has always been a really quiet laid back guy you know he's never been one to uh really talk too much or get up in people's face or anything like that but this year something was different about him you know now i know he mentioned having to step up and be a leader with james laurinaitis and chris long leaving but um i think it was more than just him being a leader he showed more raw emotion than i even knew he had (laughs) you know um i think he's really kind of fed up um, he's the guy that we all know works extremely hard, and it sucks when you are working so hard and it's not really paying off the way you want it to. Um, I think that's kind of where it is now. I think that he is legitimately bothered um, to the point that it's starting to it's starting to reflect in his the way he responds to the media. He's very short. He's uh, there, you can see the anger, the attitude. I think that he's already fed up to answer your question. Now, the other side to that is he's so why wouldn't he leave? You're saying he's not going to go anywhere. Why wouldn't he leave if he's fed up? Because the other side of that is he's, he's so dedicated, you know, he's so dedicated. Um, I don't think that he's someone where it's easy to walk away. Um, I feel like if the NFL had a collective bargaining agreement that gave the drafting team, the ability, the, the original team that, that, you know, like when, when Golden State's holy triumvirate, when, when those guys come up, they're going to have, they're going to be able to offer Curry more money than anyone else. I think it's something like 153 now is the max <clears throat> and an additional year. You, you don't have a system in place like that in the NFL. If you're a free agent, and, and you're coming up on free agency. I look at this. I kind of look at this from a soccer perspective. And I think that more and more athletes in America are finally starting to take notice of how things are done in Europe, where you realize you can run down your contract, put up incredible numbers, give incredible performances, market yourself to other teams. And then when your contract comes due, you have any number of suitors at the table. What the hell are the Rams going to sell Aaron Donald on why he should stay in Los Angeles other than, but you'll have a great new stadium. Good. You'll have a brand new stadium where you can win four games or seven games. And, and, you know, depending on who they hire, that's the thing here is until, until this organization hires somebody, we're operating in the dark here, and we have to assume things based on organizational past history. And if you're doing that, 
you don't have a lot of faith that the next guy, you know, they were they were high on Gruden. It really looks like they want to go after defensive guys who know shit about offense. And I just yeah, you can win a championship that way. It's just it's so damn hard anymore. That's why it hasn't been done since the early 2000s. That's why the last two teams that did it went back to back. Okay, so I think I might have misunderstood your question because um, I thought we were talking about like trading Aaron Donald or why why he. Oh, no, I was talking about him taking his ass to greener pastures. Yeah. Okay, so with with Aaron Donald, here's the here's the the cold hard truth of the matter: the Rams are going to control him for the next three years. Uh, he's already three. He's already played three years of his four year contract. Uh, so he has next year, and then the, being a first round pick, there's an option. Obviously, they're going to pick up the option. Uh, after the option, they can still slap him with the franchise tag, which is very, very likely if he wants to leave and he's not interested in resigning. They're not going to just let him leave. They're going to slap him with a franchise tag. Now, at that point, once you franchise tagged him and, you know, he's making it pretty obvious that he wants to leave. I think that's when you kind of start to think about exploring the option of a trade. But even then, I think it'd be hard to let, like I said, one of the best players in the NFL just walk you know it's, it's very very hard um but Aaron Donald is one of those players that's so good he controls his own faith you know it's just that simple if Aaron Donald put let it uh, leaked it that he wanted to be traded or he wants to play for a different team teams are going to come knocking <laughs> you know teams are going to come knocking it's just that simple he's that good I don't care who who you are. Well, there's just some players, you know, if J.J. Watt or Tom Brady said, hey, I want to play somewhere else, teams are going to come knocking. They're going to definitely come and inquire. They're going to be throwing more at the team, uh, the team that holds the players of rights, more than they would anyone else. And that's just I don't what understand how Tom Brady is, is still so good at his age. Like, Peyton Manning was deteriorating by now. Brett <laughs> has fallen apart by now. Like, Brady seems to just... He's like a fine wine. The longer you, know, you leave him, it's like it's like all all they really did for the Patriots was give them a better chance of winning the Super Bowl because Tom Brady doesn't have four more. Like he has now, those back four games are safe for the playoffs. You know, it's crazy because Rams fans hate it when I say this, but I'm such a huge Tom Brady fan. Like I really am. I've liked him for a long thing. time now. Um, dating back to Michigan, I loved him at, at Michigan when he used to come in and make Hanson look like the water boy. Uh, but <laughs> I've always liked Tom Brady. He's always played with this chip on his shoulder. And I think that's really what's different. He's a naturally uh, good thrower, you know, just a natural good thrower. But he enhanced everything about his throwing. You know, he made he, he began to throw the ball further and harder. Like, not very many people can throw the ball further as they get older. Usually it's the other way around. Uh, but he throws the ball further and harder with age. Um, I think it's just the dedication and that chip on his shoulder that he refuses to let go. And that's the hardest thing in the world. You know, when you have a chip on your shoulder, it's there for a reason. But as you start to gain respect, um, it's hard to keep that chip. And this is something I touched on with the Seahawks uh, entire team last year before the season. I questioned if they would be the same team because everyone was starting to show them the respect they all said they didn't get Russell Wilson was a third round quarterback who coming out. I told everyone in every article I wrote, I think that he would be a top, uh, top five pick. He'd be right up there with Andrew Luck and Robert Griffin, the third, 
if he was bigger, <laughs> you know. Uh, then you look at Richard Sherman, you know, chip on his shoulder. All those guys had chip on their shoulders, and that's what made them so good. But once the success came, they, they're not the same squad as they were two, three years ago. They're not. not and close. they have the exact same – they have the exact same – And when Earl Thomas goes at the end of this year, it's done, yeah. I think. Exactly. You know, they, they have the exact same nucleus. They've done a great job of re-signing all their key players uh, with Russell Wilson, Earl Thomas, um, Bobby Wagner, Richard Sherman, Cam Chancellor. They've re-signed Earl Thomas said guys. he was leaving. I think Earl Thomas uh, – he, he said the other day he's going to come back. He said he's going to come oh, back. Oh, he did? All right, I missed that. Yeah, okay. he, did, he, did, he did throw out retirement as an option, but he did say the other day a couple of days ago that he is going to come back. But, you know, they re-signed all these guys. They kept the nucleus together. But as you can see, they're not the same. They're still a really good team, no question about it. But they're not that same Seahawks team they was a few years ago. And I think it's because they don't have that chip on their shoulder. Tom Brady is the exception. He has figured out a way to have a chip on his shoulder every day of his life. <laughs> you know, I think he's one of those people that – Which I don't get it because he's married to a Brazilian supermodel. He's got more money <laughs> than he knows what to do with. He Michael survived having a serial killer for a tight end. Like, I mean, <laughs> this guy Michael – Jordan, Michael Jordan described it best. He said to be the best, you know, throughout the duration of your career, you have to be psychotic. You have to literally convince yourself that people are saying things about you that they never really said. He said that he would actually tell himself that people said he wasn't good enough after he won four rings. <laughs> you know, like people, he was convincing himself that people were saying otherwise, even though everyone in the world loved him at this point. But he was convincing himself otherwise. I think Tom Brady is that same person. He convinces himself otherwise. And I think Aaron Donald is going to be that type of person. Aaron Donald plays with a massive chip on his shoulder. Because everyone said he was too small, and he every time someone mentions something to him, he just says, oh, "Okay." Like even to this day, if you bring up anything about like when they played the Steelers last year, oh, are you gonna be nervous playing? He's like, "No, nah, okay." You know, that's his response every time. He doesn't really talk a lot of trash. He just gives an "Okay, we'll see." You know, there's a chip on his shoulder, and it, 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 I think it pushes him to work the way that he does. So before we get out of here tonight, because Lanny forgot to drop in the listener questions and or we got none. Uh, uh, let me ask you about just more or less what you think is going to happen this this weekend or in the upcoming game in January against the Cardinals. This is basically for pride and you know, I think third or fourth in the division. I don't, I don't know which, um, what, what, yeah, it'll be third or fourth or it's third or second in the division. Uh, not that it matters. Cause you, both teams are going to finish with losing records. What, what do you, what do you, I mean, who's going to win? Cardinals. That's simple. I mean, I said it last week. Um, I look at this Rams team and, I look at everyone else playing in the NFL, and one thing about me, I don't just watch film on the Rams. I watch film on everybody. I love watching film. Um, I really think that the Rams are playing the worst football in the NFL. At least with the Browns, you're seeing that effort. You know, they're, they're not really giving up. They're still taking shots down the field. The running game is legit. <laughs> if they could quit, if the defense could quit letting teams build up leads, they could really pound the ball down some teams' throat because they really know how to run the ball. Um, so I, 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 I really don't see the Rams doing anything 
offensively at least, that measures up to anyone else in the NFL. And the numbers back that up as they are yep. the 32nd ranked offense. Um, and when I watch them, it's sickening. and It really is to see them constantly come out and you know what they're going to do. You know, uh, I watch personally just me probably about 10 hours of film a week. These guys are literally studying you in preparation that week and watching something around 100 hours <laughs> of film. Uh, that's all they do. They get there at five in the morning and they watch film until five in the afternoon, at which point they finally go to practice. That's 12 hours of film a day. Um and then they watch a little more after practice, <laughs> you know, so that's 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 all they do. If I can see in 10 to 15 hours a week exactly what your plays are going to be, I'm pretty sure they know. And it's, it's, it's really sickening because there's a lot of five yard hitches and things like that. the offense is so ridiculous. Who would have thought that Brian Schottenheimer was running a more complex offense and better offense than Anyone else I'm reasonably <laughs> sure that Jay Tram ran a better offense at Fresno State, and he ran the worst yes. offense in history. Um, yeah, it's, it's pretty bad. You know, <sighs> so I, I look at this Rams offense, and I just uh, then the defense is. I don't. I, I don't care what you say. Yes, the defense is good. Yes, they've been ranked in the top ten for most of the year in a lot of key categories, but. They're still not where everyone expects them to be. They're still not where they're hyped up to be. Because whenever you allow a uh, depleted and and just talentless 49ers offense score 14 points in six minutes to win the game, um, actually, excuse me, well, 15 points uh, was it the game in the last two point conversion? Yeah, <laughs> there's a there, there's an issue. There's a, there's a, a bigger issue at hand, and I think that's kind of where we are right now when looking at this. They the defense just isn't where they are expected to be. They're not what they're hyped up to be. It's more of a uh, it's more of a mask, you know, a way to point the blame at the offense. The defense is not uh, all the way there yet. They're they're good, but they're they're about average. You know, they they're not consistently up there. Yep, I hundred percent agree with everything you're saying. And on top of that, you look at the Cardinals, man. They, they're playing for a little bit of pride here. They're not going to finish with a winning season because of that damn draw. Um, so the best they can do is seven, eight and one. Um, but you know, they just beat the Seahawks and I just, I don't see any reason why, you know, Carson Palmer may not throw on Tremaine Johnson a lot, but he's going to torch whoever's playing opposite, whoever it is. It doesn't matter. They could, they could come and and I'm glad you mentioned Tremaine because Tremaine has definitely regressed, which I I, I kind of expected because I really, really, I really try to pound the point home. And I'm sorry, I don't mean to cut you off, but, no. I, but you just kind of made me think about it. like I really try to pound the point home early in the offseason before free agency started, before we lost Jinx. Um, I try to pound it home that. While True is a good corner, I think he is legitimately a good corner. He was made a better corner by having Jinx on the field. Uh, I think it took a lot of pressure off of him. But when Jinx yep. is gone, now he's forced into being the guy. I don't think is that it, uh, people. I don't think. I don't. It is it's not, he's not. You know, I think he's a solid, good corner, but he's not the guy. And um, I think fans really kind of 
missed the point of how good Jinx really is. And now you see this year, he's PFS has him ranked as the number two cornerback in the league. He led the league in in votes for uh, Pro Bowl. <laughs> you know, and these aren't flukes. You know, uh, this this isn't stuff that just happens. Yes, being in a bigger market like New York helps, but. Dominique Rogers Camardi has been in New York wet like three years now, and he still hasn't got he uh, he he still hasn't gotten a Pro Bowl vote yet. You know, so it's 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 sometimes you just got to kind of look at the big picture, and this Rams team is just really really fading really quickly, and I think that they're losing these key pieces. You know, losing these key pieces are really kind of bottling them up for what they could be. Um, there's no way to replace losing a Janoris Jenkins. At the end of the day, fans may point out the occasional big play given up, but I point out the many big plays stopped, <laughs> you know, and the occasional big play given up has even really happened this year. And as he alluded to, you know, the big play was given up because he was forcing the issue, trying to make a play because the team was always down, which when he said that there really isn't anything you can say to argue that because it was kind of true. Um and uh, I think that's kind of where this team is right now going into this last game. You know, they're in a position where they have no one on the team that's of certain calibers anymore in some key spots where you're facing a team like the uh, Cardinals. You know, when you're facing them, you got to have those corners and those safeties that can really They're just having a bad year is what they're having, man. They thought they were going to have a better year. They had a worse year than I think a lot of people expected. Yeah. I think the Niners and the Rams played out more or less how people thought they would, depending on what happened. Because I don't think anybody saw the Rams getting to seven wins with golf. Uh, <laughs> no, but, absolutely not. <laughs> but, but, uh, you know, I, I, I think the Cardinals are a lot better than the record indicates. Bruce Arians is certainly a lot better than that record indicates. And it's a down year for them. They'll rebound. They had some some unfortunate injuries this year. But, you know, just, just to give my opinion on the game, I, I think it's just going to be another ass kicking. Um, yeah. I think the Rams will be able to stay in it for a half. And then they, this team has nothing left to play for. They have nobody left to play for. They're playing exactly. for the And in the NFL, that's never enough. It's exactly. Not, getting the seventh win and finishing the season, telling you can tell yourself you did well enough at seven, eight, and one. You can you can trick yourself in the head that like, okay, it wasn't a good year, but at least it wasn't a losing season. People will find a way to justify that in their head, even though it's seven, eight, and one, which is a losing season. Psychologically, hey, look, we tied a game, man. We didn't lose it. So, you know, it is it is what it is. I, I, I think that this Cardinals team is, is going to be ready to play. I don't think the Rams are going to be ready to play because they haven't been on the same page for the past couple of weeks. And, uh... I don't know, man. I'm just at this point, I'm not taking any, but I I would honestly take the Browns over the Rams right now. So absolutely. I think the Rams are playing playing the worst football in the league. (laughs) They they were playing with heart. You know, the Browns were in games. It was just, they couldn't win the damn things. It's just one of those, you know, (laughs) you know, a crazy stat. The, the Browns have led in more games this year. Um, I think it was then like 15 teams or something like that where they were like leading going into the second half and then they ended up losing the game. 
So they they can score points. They can move the ball, but the Rams can't. <laughs> yeah, it's it's just I don't know. But uh, man, it's late over there, so let's call this man because I'm tired. I got a surgery in the morning, and we didn't get listener questions. And I think really classy gave us enough. Um, uh, what do you got work? What do you got coming up this week, man? All right, so I'm actually putting on the finishing touches tonight, which means I'll be probably getting it posted tomorrow of the breakdown of Todd Gurley's struggles. Uh, it's one that I've been working on. It took a lot of film watching. <laughs> yeah, I went back. To, I had to go back and watch all of last year and uh, rewatch this year's uh, tapes. But um, the breakdown of Todd Gurley's struggles. Um, it's it's been a uh, really long and bumpy ride for Gurley this year. Uh, but I actually believe that it's kind of been a long and bumpy ride since he got into the league, which is what I'm going to be touching on. And then, of course, as I've, I've been mentioning, uh, uh, still putting the finishing touches on it, but I'll probably be dropping it probably like New Year's or the day after uh, as my top 100 big board. Um, it's that time. Uh, this is the last game of the regular season this year, which means we're off into the off season. <laughs> I mean, if you're not in the playoffs, your season is over. You're in the off season, you know. So, yep. so the, on to the off season, it's time to start getting some scouting going and seeing ways to get this team better. Yeah, and as for me, uh, really, I'm just going to be taking it easy this week, recuperating from back surgery, popping in on a couple of roundtables. Uh, going to be finishing up that story now that the season's over of an outsider's first year perspective looking and watching the Rams. So be on the watch for that after I force myself to watch whatever the hell is going to happen against, you know, maybe I'm surprised. Maybe we'll all, maybe we'll all be surprised and Goff will go out and throw for 600 that day or something. Who knows? Break like Norm Van Brocklin's record. Uh, and then Jared Goff will, that'll be the lone thing he did. Just broke Norm Van Brocklin's record and then faded into obscurity. So uh, I want to thank our producer, Scotty J, for sticking around this late. Special thanks to Myson for doing it this late. Uh, glad everyone was okay with the car accident. Um, hey, guys. And real quick, I want to thank you guys and all of the Ramley for the Christmas present of the Niners' second wing. Well, you're welcome. A <laughs> L- little <laughs> playful ribbing, but on a positive note, I know you guys are... Are down. We'll, the, we'll, we'll allow it. We'll allow it. Yeah. Hey, you produce this podcast, Scott. You're this is. I I think I think Polly Paps gets to chime in and give Dan Patrick crap. I'm not sure how it works, but I think he does. So, you know, hey man, my my roommate gave me crap, or my old college roommate was texting me about this stuff. So, <clears throat> you know what though, I I have to say, I can't get too excited about it because I was pretty disappointed in the fact that that game was 14 to 7 for the majority of it. I didn't get to see it. You don't watch enough Rams football. Yeah, I didn't get to see it (laughs) because uh, I was traveling for the holidays, but uh, I was excited to see the final score. But let me just finish off with this, guys. I'll give you this. You were talking about the Rams' offensive struggles and some of the issues with the defense, but far and away, you guys at least have one phase of the ball that, when coached properly, is one of the best units in all of the NFL, and that being the Rams' defense. The Niners don't even have that. 
So, uh, I tip my cap to you guys there, but thank you for the win. And as always, guys, I enjoy producing the show. And it's always fun talking football, whether it's Rams, Niners, whatever. You know, I'm just happy to be here. And may 2016 kiss all of our asses. Yes. <laughs> R.I.P. Carrie Fisher. Yes, R.I.P. Yes. Debbie Reynolds. Yeah, I don't know how 2016 managed to kill Carrie Fisher and her mom in the span of 24 hours. Prince, Alan Rickman, George Michael. Man, I ain't got any more time for 2016. 2017 cannot get here fast enough. And the next time we talk to you, it will be 2017. So... Whatever you guys are doing this holiday season, please do not blow your hand off like Jason Pierre Paul. Light the firework and then set it down or throw it. Get rid of it. You're not supposed to hold it to show people how cool you are. Throw it. It's called a firework. And I uh, should mention real quick, I just changed my Twitter handle. If any of you guys want to follow me, I am now at Sports Speaks. That is sports, S P E A K S. Alrighty. So Scotty's got a new handle. Give him a follow, and uh, we will catch you guys in the new year. Myson will be back, uh, probably with the bottle for the next show. So um, thank you guys for listening, and uh, have a happy, healthy, and safe new year. May all of you guys get home in one piece, come back in one piece, and we are out of here. Have fun and be safe, guys. Hello, I'm Ashley Carmen. I'm Caitlin Tiffany. We're the hosts of Why'd You Push That Button, the Verge's show about all the choices technology forces us to make. We're back for season three, talking about questions like, why do you delete your tweets? And why do you type in lowercase letters that make you seem like a serial killer? <laughs> and why are you on an exclusive dating app? You're not that special. <laughs> We're releasing a new episode every Wednesday, and you can find us anywhere you typically find podcasts, which is Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts. So go ahead and subscribe and check us out.